today the, the persecution uh, it's the old saying is the blood of the martyrs was the seed of the church uh, do you realize that today in 2014 there are more people dying for their Christian faith than any other time in history there are people that are giving their lives for the, the sake of Christianity and there are more of them happening because of our population you know, the, the explosion the population growth in a world that there's more of those today that are dying for their faith than any other time in history so certainly we're in, there's, outs, there's persecution from the outside. Also Satan gets in also into the church. And of course Peter spoke about the outside, from outside the church is like a roaring lion. Satan comes like a roaring lion. And Paul in 2 Corinthians spoke about how the church is attacked by Satan as he comes as an angel of light. He comes in subtle ways within the church. Sometimes it's false teaching. Sometimes it's in, in terms of relationship to Satan wants to destroy the church if he can so he comes out from the outside and also from the from within the church there is uh, things where he attacks so let's just go through this passage this morning and I'm going to go you know start through in you know, going through this from verse 1 and uh, where Herod was really involved in persecuting the believers and it was about the time that he arrested this time that King, he arrested some of them who belonged to the church intending to persecute them that was his intention now this Herod was not the Herod who was around when uh, Jesus was born actually it's the grandson of that guy this guy is known as Herod or Herod Agrippa and uh, his son Agrippa was one of, the, the, one of those people that Paul was witnessing to and so he was the of that same family a family that had a history of attacking Christianity a family that had a history of trying to destroy uh, the Christianity and so here he was he was about to try and uh, sort of let loose on the church and of course we've read about how he, what he'd done he executed James the brother of John now though James and John were two brothers that we known as the uh, sons of thunder and John was the one who lived one who outlived most of the, all the other apostles and uh, and we read about him in the book of Revelation who was in the spirit on the Lord's day as he was, he was put onto the Isle of Patmos and persecuted in that way. But he, he outlived all the others and it seems as though he probably died of natural causes. And, uh, but his brother was taken and was, was killed, executed by Herod you know, with the sword. And so the persecution starts and Peter is on the scene as well. And it's hard to explain why something terrible happens to one person and doesn't happen to another. There are some people who seem to go through their, their Christian life and they, everything seems to go well for them and they don't seem to encounter any, any problems at all. The average Christian generally has a mixture of both of good things and challenges that come into our lives, don't we? There are some people who seem to have extreme challenges and they seem to go from one, one crisis to another. And there's no explanation for that. There's no, it doesn't mean that one is more spiritual than the other doesn't mean because some bad things happen to us that we've necessarily done anything done anything sinful or that we deserve to be punished it's just that we live in a sinful world and a world that is tainted by the fall and so some people encounter all sorts of difficulties while others don't encounter them at all or others as I said others go through a mixture of them so one of the things we see is that we don't really understand why God allows some things to come into one person's life and why he doesn't allow the same thing doesn't come into another another person's life and so each of our individual experiences are going to be different but what we can know is that God is always there 
regardless of your circumstances, regardless of your situation. And as I look out over this congregation, I don't know what you're going through. I know, I know some of you, I know some of the challenges that some of you are facing, but I don't know really what's going on in your life and what you're facing right now. But God does. And God understands and he knows the challenges that you're facing. He knows the challenges that are ahead of you. And fortunately, we don't know what's happening ahead of us, do we? But we know that God is the one who is in control. He is the one who is there who, can control, who controls our future. And so here we find that, that Herod executed James and got rid of him. He thought that and he was on a, a, a crusade. To, so he, then he imprisoned uh, Peter and he waited for the feast to finish and he's waiting, you know, so he could continue his persecution. It says he, when he saw this please the Jews, that's killing James, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And so here he's taken Peter and he's thrown in jail. And Peter had had some previous experience of jail. Not that he'd done anything wrong, but he'd been jailed a couple of times even before this. And if you read about it in Acts chapter 4 and Acts chapter 5, it says in Acts chapter 4 verse 3, they seized Peter and John because it was evening and they put them in jail until the next day. And there the Sanhedrin, that was a result of the uh, healing the, the lame man in Acts chapter 3. And then the Sanhedrin, the Jewish leaders, tried to intimidate Peter and John. But the apostles were fearless in their defense and they witnessed you know, against this opposition. They weren't going to be discouraged. They were prepared to, to really serve the Lord. And, you, and if you read some of the prayers in Acts chapter 4, as after they were released, it, they were really powerful things as they quoted from the Psalms. They were really on fire for the Lord. In fact, it says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word boldly. The persecution in Acts chapter 3 and chapter 4 didn't discourage them, didn't put Peter you know, on the back foot. He was determined to continue to, to witness for, he, for the Lord. He, you know, the jail and threats of intimidation weren't going to put him off. And they were bolder in their witness for the Lord. And then in Acts chapter 5, we find between verses 17 and 42, find again that they're arrested. And it says in verse 18, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. And there they were in prison. Now jails in these, this part of the world is nothing like the jails that we have here in Australia. Probably more horrendous than some of the ones in certain, you know, that we might see uh, on TV in certain parts of the world. But it was you know, really horrendous. In fact, uh, I understand in some parts of the world, and I know in East Africa, if a person was put in jail, they got 30 lashes on the back when they were, as they went into jail. That was part of the greeting, to, as you, as you, the welcome to go into jail. You know, 40 lashes across your back. And the day you were released, you were given 40 lashes as well. 40, the way in was to bring you under control, make sure you towed the line and did what you were told. And the 40 lashes as you left to remember what it was like so you didn't come back. That was the, the sort of theory behind it in, uh, in East Africa. But here, the jail would have been pretty horrendous. And so they had, they'd arrested Peter and there he was. But during the, the, the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. That's in Acts chapter 5 verse 18. And the result of was this was that day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. 
They weren't put off. The persecution gave them a greater incentive to witness for God. And so that was what was been happening in the past. But here, coming up into the present, Herod was planning to, you know, to keep Peter in prison for the, the right time after, you know, after they put him in the prison because he, was going to, he had a strategy in mind. And so after arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded for four, by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring them out for public trial after the Passover. That was one of the Jewish feasts. There's a feast of unleavened bread and then the Passover. And so he was waiting for those feasts to finish before he released him, before he brought him to court and behind a trial. Now, trial is probably a pretty, uh, you know, it's a bit exaggerating a bit. Really, it's probably not the right word to use, the word trial. It was probably a foregone conclusion that probably he would be brought before the court and executed. That was probably what was going to happen. And so here he was, you know, that was what Herod had in mind. And of course, he put the, the you know, had these 16 soldiers on, you know, that were there four at a time on roster. The normal thing would be to put a, a prisoner and chain them to one arm, you know, one arm on the, on the prison, you know, and the other arm on the, the soldier. So they'd normally be chained to one soldier. Now, given what had happened previously, that, that Peter had been delivered by an angel of the Lord and, and come out of jail, Herod was being doubly careful, so he's making sure there was a chain on each arm and there were you know, those two soldiers, one on each side of him and two standing guard. And so that was the, the sort of roster system, the rotating roster of the 16 people 24 hours a day to make sure that Peter was there and kept contained and kept controlled and kept in jail. That was, the, that was Herod's plan, you know, doubling the normal you know, number of guards. But Herod was wrong, wasn't he? He thought he was in control. But we know, and as the story goes on, we know the outcome, don't we? This guy was opposing the one who had created the very universe in which we live. And he, had, he wasn't recognising that. And he thought he was in control. But God was in control. And so... That was the situation. That was the, and we haven't gone in and talked a lot about the s- dynamics of spiritual warfare. That's a, we've had a, heard a, had a sermon on that when we heard about the spiritual the armor and from, from Ephesians a few weeks ago. But what we do know is that God directed the church to pray because they were totally dependent on God. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Or as another translation, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing. Now, I don't know how that operated, but they were, the Christians were there praying earnestly for Peter. It was going on, whether they had a roster system and they had people going 24 hours a day or whether it just it means that they were coming together regularly for prayer, I don't know. But they were praying continually for Peter. kept in prison but prayer was being made and probably praying for him probably up to about four to six days they continue to pray in the house of Mary the mother of John Mark there's no mention of numbers we don't know how many people were there 
We, know, we don't know how long it went for, probably between four and six days, get going by the, it was somewhere in the middle of the Feast of Unleavened Bread when he was arrested and then, uh, whether it was at the beginning or end, I'm not, quite, I'm not quite sure, but probably around about four to six days or maybe even a bit longer. But they continued to pray, they just kept praying. And they continued to meet in, this, in the house of Mary, the, the mother of Mark. There's somebody mentioned at the very end in chapter 11 and mentions about Paul and Barnabas coming to Jerusalem. Barnabas was probably Mary's sister, Mary's brother rather. Mary was, was Barnabas' sister because John Mark was his nephew. So whether they were there at the time, I don't know. Some people have speculated and said that Paul and Barnabas were probably in Jerusalem when this actually happened, but I'm not, not absolutely sure of that. But let's just think about, so here there was, this church was praying. What is, what do we you know, know, what does the Bible tell us about intercessory prayer? There are only a few references to the word intercession in the New Testament. One of those is in Acts chapter 1 and verse 14. They all joined together in prayer along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Acts 1.14. Whether that may have even been in the same house. Some have speculated it may have been in that very house where they were. What we know is that we've exhorted in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18 and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests so as part of the spiritual armor is praying and interceding is part of that and of course Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 which is a well-known verse that many of you may even know by heart says do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition or supplication with thanksgiving present your requests to God So there's a few verses, a couple more I'd just like to refer to also. I urge you then, in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1, I urge you then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, and it goes on from there. So there's, we're told to pray for, these, you know, for those in authority over us. And also in chapter 5 and verse 5 of the same epistle the widow who is really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and ask God for help back in those days there was no social security no widow's pensions and many of the church members of the church came from the poorer sections of society and so if somebody who was a widow had unless they had their family looked after them would be dependent on God and so here's a few illustrations of the fact that we're exhorted to pray and to intercede and to come and ask God for things and to speak on on behalf of other people and so that's what the church was doing it was there it was praying it was going day and night praying for praying continually that God would be at work now exactly what they prayed I am not sure maybe they were praying that some would be praying God be with Peter there and help him and, and, and praying that when he went to, to, to trial that he wouldn't be executed by Herod. Others may have been praying, God, please release this guy and make it possible for him to come out of jail. I don't know what they prayed. We're not giving any details. All we know is that they prayed and they were seeking God's face because they recognised they were totally dependent on God. 
And some of us, sometimes when we pray, we come before God and we say, look, Lord, I don't know exactly what to say here, but Lord, you know about this situation and I'm not quite sure what you want to do, but I just commit it all to you. Some of us might pray like that. And as we continue to pray, sometimes you find that God changes what you're praying to be praying in a, along a particular line that what he, what he wants as we pray and as we seek the Lord he often directs us to be asking exactly what he wants as he works in our hearts and our lives God is at work in this situation and God is is working through these people as they're praying and as they're they're seeking you know to, to know what God wants but one, one of the things we can be sure is that God determines the outcome of our prayers doesn't he and verse 6, the night before Herod was to bring him out for trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with chains and the sentry stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell and Peter and struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Now he's about to be taken and go before Herod the next day. And he's been in prison for several days. And he knows that probably Herod is going to, is a possibility that Herod is going to kill him, execute him. If that was you, how would you respond? If that was me, I probably wouldn't sleep too well, would you? I wouldn't be, I probably wouldn't be sleeping. I, generally speaking, I, I hit the pillow and I go out to it. You know, I sleep well. I can count on one hand the number of sleepless nights I've had in my life. I, 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 it's one of the things I don't have a problem with. Seems like Peter is a bit like this. He, he fell asleep. He's sleeping. He's not up worrying about it. It seems as though he was able to hand it over to God. And it's probably a lesson for us. We need to be handing things over to God. And it seems that Peter probably did that. He was leaving the outcome with God. He was asleep. The soldier on each side of him. And the Lord appeared and an angel and a light shone in the cell. The three of them probably all asleep. God woke Peter up. Didn't wake the others up. The light shines. It was very specifically on Peter and Peter alone woke up. Quick, get up, he said. The angel said to him in the last part of 7 verse 7, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did, so wrap your cloak around you and follow me. The angel told him, Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that the, what the angel was doing was really happening. He was sort of in this sense of, is this really a dream or is it really happening to you? That's the, that was his initial reaction. But nevertheless, he followed, didn't he? He wasn't told, what the angel didn't tell him, okay, the chains are now off. We're going to go past this guard and this guard and then we're going to go out through the gate. It doesn't seem as though there's, it doesn't appear that there was an explanation given to Peter of what was coming up. All Peter was, he was just, he was given the instructions and he followed. He went and did exactly what the angel of the Lord told him to do. And he followed the instructions as they were, you know, and, you know, just follow me. It wasn't no more than that. Isn't that true in our life as well? All we know is that we're following God. We're following the Lord Jesus. We're in step with him. We're seeking to do his will. We're wanting to follow. And, so, and it's usually, it's one step at a time. Sometimes he, he lets us know where we're going. But generally speaking, he is, this is what I want you to do now. 
And then he tells us what is to do next. And he directs us according to his will. And sometimes we've got a bit of an idea of what's ahead of us, but often we don't, do we? We call that walking by faith, don't we? Stepping out in faith and following the Lord. And the Apostle Paul said we walk by faith and not by sight. And so Peter realised as as the time was going on that he was not seeing a vision. So he he thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and the second guards and they came to the iron gate and it opened itself and they went through. He thought he was seeing this vision. All he was doing was following God's direction, doing what God had told him to And then it's real, and then he realized in verse 11 it says then Peter came to himself and said now I know without a doubt that the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating God sent his angel into he suddenly realized it's God has done all this I don't know about you but sometimes I can easily see as I look back in my life the way that God has led and God has directed sometimes looking forward it's not always as clear and looking back we can see how that God has done certain things for us how God has protected how God has been at work in situations and we need to be you know realize that and it's that's where the whole thing benefit of keeping a journal comes in of writing down things as God is doing them in our lives but God does answer prayer and as Peter was standing out there on that, you know, verse 12, when it dawned on him, he went to the house. You know, suddenly realized that all, you know, the angels left him. He's out there on the street. He went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, and called, called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. He goes to, to share and to, to join in fellowship with these people because he realized the full implication of it that God has answered prayer. God has been at work. God has done this for me. God has brought me to this point. I'm no longer in the jail. I'm out. And of course, the meeting in the house. And of course, Peter knocked at the entrance and the servant girl named Rhoda, meaning Rose, came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. So here so she'll be standing, stranded at the door and she's inside telling each other, Peter's at the door. That's probably a bit of a clue to me. It makes me wonder whether some people hadn't really been praying for Peter to be released. Or maybe some people had prayed it, but they didn't really expect God to do it. Or maybe they just you know, didn't like the fact that it was a, a low-status person like a servant coming and telling us about it. I don't know. We can speculate and speculate and speculate. All we know is that they didn't accept what she was saying. And sometimes people of low status, the ordinary everyday person, sometimes the, the, most, the people of lowest status, maybe even within the church, maybe the people to whom God speaks people to whom God reveals things and so we need to be listening to one another as God speaks at, and here Rhoda recognized Peter's voice and there she is and there's Peter outside knocking and still knocking at the door 
but Peter's persistence gets their attention verse 6 verse 15 you're out of your mind they told her when she kept on insisting that it was so they said it must be an angel because they're giving an explanation aren't they but Peter kept on knocking when they opened the door they saw him they were astonished they didn't even expect this to happen that's probably that's what I've already said you know that's the clue that maybe they hadn't they'd been they hadn't prayed they may have been more praying for his protection or they may have been praying for his release I don't know but Peter motioned with his hand to them to them to be quiet and he described how the Lord had brought him out of prison he shares his testimony what God had done tell James the brothers about this he said and then he left for another place he want, and I, this is James the brother of the Lord who was now a leader in the church in the Jerusalem at this time and Peter vanishes off the scene here he is God had been, had been at work God had answered prayer Peter leaves and uh, we know that later on he, he did as far as we know tradition tells us that he was crucified upside down in Rome about 30 years later here we find that God was at work Peter was released to go on and continue to serve the Lord and he also wrote the the books of first and second Peter and the book of first Peter is all about the church being persecuted he understood personally what it was like and he he was encouraging these churches of Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia and Bithynia encouraging them to to go on and to to be faithful to the Lord and remain true in their faith and he writes to them and explains to them about it so here was Pete God had answered the prayer God had come through God had answered prayer for this group of people they had come and they had got down before the Lord and the same God today is the God who answers your prayer and answers my prayer so as we come to the end as a as a in final in concluding you know today we've noted that we need God's help to engage in our spiritual warfare and we can talk more about that we need to seek God's help in crises and we certainly need to do that and they did in this there was a crisis when when Peter was in jail we can be sure that God does intervene in our lives and he does answer prayer we can be sure of that but also I think that it's good for us to take on a responsibility to be involved in intercessory prayer resolve to commence intercessory prayer during your own time with God as you have a time out with God your own daily devotions I suggest that you start to do that and ask and I suggest that you ask God to direct you how you can do that you might say yes I'm going to do it well ask the next step God how how do you want me to do that I suggest that you write down details of whom you and what you want to pray for those people that you think there are significant to to you know things that you feel that you need to you want to you know intercede on behalf of you know I'd say start with your, your family and the groups that you're part of if you're part of a a group that gets together during the week for prayer and bible study put down the names of those other the fellow people that are in your group and start praying for them every day or any other groups that you might belong to that are not maybe not even part of the church but be don't just sit back and go, yes I've got to do it start to do some things and act and 
And also, one of the things you can do is you can pray for the, the leaders in our church. Don't just have the bulletin just to take and to, to read and to throw away. All those names, those contact people on the, on the back page. You might say, oh, look, there's too many there to pray for every day, but why don't you split them up and pray for different ones on different days? And start to put down... A, and one of the things that you'll do is you'll, as you start to do that, as you start to pray for specific people and start to intercede on behalf of other folk, you'll be blessed in your own spiritual life as well, but you'll see how that God is at work in these situations and you'll be able to rejoice when God answers prayer. Also, if you want to, we've just had the, been exhorted to put out, you know, about the directory and putting out, our, getting our photos taken. Why not use the directory as a, as a prayer guide? Pray through the, the numbers of people. You might not be able to do it over, you know, a week or a, a month. You might need to do it over a couple of months. But pray regularly for the different folk in the directory. It's a way of getting to identify people and pray for them. Also, there are lots of prayer letters that come out from missions. Like, for instance, the, the Dicks have just sent out their recent, their recent uh, little prayer letter I think I've got over the weekend from uh, Ian and Wendy about, their, about the Dictionary Project. Yeah. Or you might get the, 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 the prayer guide from the uh, other people, that, other missionaries that are here in the church, from the, say for the Westerns are in Japan, or other, other missionaries, that, or the Nicholases who are on the, the Logos Hope in Nagasaki at the moment. You might want to pray for them. But don't just sit back and say, yes, I need to do it. Start, first of all, to resolve that you're going to do something about it. Ask the Lord to direct you. Write down some of the details and start with your family and your, those, those groups that you're part of. But start and do something. Don't just sit back and do nothing about it. So right now, I'm going to ask you this week, we're going to pause and we're going to give you an opportunity just to ask the Lord if he wants you to, to take some action in relation to intercessory prayer right now. Let's pray quietly, then I'll finish in prayer. Lord, we thank you that you're a God who does answer prayer. You're a God who is at work. You're the one who has made this universe that we are part of. Lord, we thank you that you know and understand everything about us and all the, the weaknesses that we've got. But Lord, you've asked us to come and to, to pray and to intercede and to, and to, and to seek your face for other, for other folk. And pray that you'll help us in that process to do that. So I hope each one of us as we go our separate ways today to be able to be, develop our prayer life more. And also guide us as a church as the best way we also can become more involved in intercessory prayer. And so we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.